Welcome to episode 188 of the NFL Scotland podcast with just a week until the draft. The pod is in meltdown. My name is Charles Patterson. And my name is Gordon McGuinness. We've taken over this week as Paul is holding out. He's still annoyed about the Saints re-signing Jameis. Meanwhile, Cameron Hobbs has gone AWOL. Rumour has it he's trying to persuade Pete Carroll to let him sign for the Seahawks. Oh, God help the Seahawks. Yes, the podcast parents are away, but they have foolishly left the keys in the drinks cabinet. And we are manning the fort and intending to cause as much mayhem as possible as we focus on the best quarterback talent in the 2022 NFL draft. But to do that, we need an adult in the room to help us. So there's nobody better for that than the man known in our podcast WhatsApp chat as the guru, former Scottish Claimers quarterback, Jim Ballard. Good evening, Jim. Good evening. How are you? Using the words grown up with me is even <laughs> even after my 50th birthday on Saturday. I, I don't know, man. You might want to pick another adjective. <laughs> well, I am disappointed, Jim, that we didn't get an invite. <laughs> what have you got planned for the big 5-0? Uh, it, it was just this weekend. It was uh, it was low key. We had a granddaughter that was born this week, and uh, you know, just kind of went out for a little bit. Had a couple, had a couple cocktails on Friday and Saturday, and just uh, just kind of hung out. It's low key. It was good. Just a couple of cocktails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's great to have have you with us, and we are eight days out from the draft, of course. And when we look at in particular, the quarterback class, there's been so much debate about it and how they're going to be assessed by the teams who are picking. But before we dig into that, I am curious to see what you think about some of the moves we've had during the offseason and some of the non-moves as well and how you think that's going to shape this year's draft. And I'm talking about, obviously, Russell Wilson going to Denver, Matt Ryan moving to Indianapolis, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz both moving. And then you've got the guys who didn't move, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady and Jameis Winston. How do you think that that is going to affect what we see from teams when they're looking at quarterbacks come uh, next Thursday in Las Vegas? Yeah, there's there's not a lot of guys that are still out there available to be uh, on the free agent market. You still got Ryan Fitzpatrick. I saw something about that that the Steelers might be interested in taking, you know, signing him uh, as as the veteran leadership, you know, with veteran leadership in the uh, QB room. Um, you know, you had the tragedy of Dwayne Haskins uh, tragically getting killed not too long ago. Such a sad, sad story. An Ohio State guy, obviously. Um, you know, <laughs> excuse me. You still have Baker Mayfield being rumored to Seattle one day and then he's going to get traded and, you know, he's under contract with the Browns, but then you have the uncertainty with Watson with all the allegations and uh, you know, is he going to be suspended by the league? Um, but I, the, the, the one that I like the most, I, I think Matt Ryan going to Indianapolis is, is a great pickup for the Colts. He, I, I, I think he's going to get along very well with Frank Reich. Uh, Frank obviously was a, a tremendous quarterback himself. Uh, Carson Wentz had a great year until about the last four or five weeks when it really mattered, which led to him being released or traded, I should say. But I, I see that scenario because Indianapolis was close last year. I mean, they had a tremendous defense. They've got good special teams. Actually, Aston Doolin got to shout him out. Local product out of D- Division II Malone University, who no longer has a football team, was – uh, second team all pro uh, all pro bowl for special team so wanted to mention him too but but Ryan to the Colts is almost to me like um, Matt Stafford going to the Rams in the offseason I think it could 
generate that kind of impact for that team in that locker room. He's one of those guys that walks in, you know, being the face of the franchise for the Falcons, being a pro bowler, probably a, a first or second ballot hall of famer. He instantly is going to make guys better around him because of the type of player leader and uh, person he is in the locker room. Do you think he's an upgrade on Wentz? <laughs> is that, that's not difficult. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Carson, Carson, I mean, he, he, he did, he had, he had a good year, but the last few, I mean, what mm. really mattered, he just, ugh, just laid an egg to, to put it bluntly. And there's some things, you know, some interceptions that might not have been his fault, but at the end of the day, you know, with what they had going in to, to close out the season, not, not be able to get it done for the owner, Jim Irsay was, was frustrating. He addressed that. You could tell, you know, he didn't want to say too much, but he was pissed off at what happened at the end of the season. And that led to, you know, them getting rid of Carson and, um, uh, you know, Matt Ryan coming in. I think yeah. as well, like Matt Ryan's career last year was definitely a down year. So I think you have to, you know, you have to either look at it as he's on the downside of his career, which is likely, but how much of last year was, you know, a depth that he can recover from. And I think they've got the pieces around there that can help him a little bit. So I, I don't know if it can be as good as it was for the Rams with Stafford because the AFC is so much stronger than the NFC with other teams. But I definitely think it's a it's an upgrade. Yeah. Well, it's left a few teams sitting there potentially going to dive into this quarterback class. So I think let's play a bit of a game here, Jim. And, and Gordon can lob his grenades in from the side as we do so. Uh, but there's been debate about whether three or four quarterbacks could be taken in the first round. There's been suggestions that none. I mean, it depends how many, whichever mock draft you look at, every, everyone's got a different answer. Let's have a look at these top quarterbacks that are coming into the NFL this year and their qualities, and then we can try and maybe match them to a team. I've got six teams here who might be interested in a quarterback. Carolina, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Atlanta, and New Orleans, even though they've just signed Jameis Winston um, because they've got two picks. So why not? Let's look at some of these quarterbacks, Jim, and tell us which you think would be the best fit. Can we start with Kenny Pickett, or as he's known now as Mr. Smallhands? You know what? I, I think he has a huge upside in the fact that he's a four-year starter, and you can't, you can't substitute game experience. I mean, here's a guy who played in the ACC, played against Clemson four years, South Carolina. I mean, it's a good conference. He had a tremendous year last year. You know, they are talking about his hand size and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's, you can't change how big his hands are. I mean, you can widen them a little bit. With, you know, they got doctors now that actually spread from your pinky to your thumb to make your hand bigger. That's what they did, um, didn't they? <laughs> they do. I, I had a quarterback that I worked with, Austin Appleby, who who started at Purdue and started at Florida. And uh, he had a guy that was working on stretching his hands because he was he was actually bigger than Pickett. He was like 6'5", about 230. But he had small hands too. But, I, I, I mean, the guy can play. At the end of the day, he, he, he can play. He's pro-red. Excuse me. Um, the quarterback coach that works him out is a guy named Tony Raciopi out of uh, New Jersey, put him through his pro day. Um, I like what Tony teaches from a fundamental standpoint. Kenny's is very fundamentally sound. He did a great job of cutting down on his interceptions a senior year. Um, 
you know, he's not the most athletic guy like a Malik Willis um, or guys like that. Matt Corral is another guy that's, that's really good. But, but to me, I, I think the safest bet and the guy that I like, I like, I like Kenny Pickett. And I think it depends on the situation that he goes into, like, like every quarterback. Um, I think different guys' career could have been different depending on what team that they went to and the guys they had around them. You know, you were, we're talking about, um, you know, Matt Ryan. I mean, look, look at the situation he's going into with the best running back in the NFL. I mean, what's that going to do for the play-action game? They just got to address some wide receiver needs in the draft. But, um, you know, I, I, I like Kenny. Uh, Malik Willis is a tremendous talent. Uh, he flicks the ball with ease. He runs well. Um you know, he's, he's just, he's a dynamic player. I think that they're looking at, at Malik and hoping he might be, you know, one of the, the, you know, the next Lamar Jackson, cause he kind of fits that mold. He's six one, you know, he's not a, you know, a six, three, six, four pocket guy. He's athletic. He can move him around. He makes plays with his legs. Um, but you know, he started at, at Liberty, um, mm. which, you know, isn't the best competition if you're looking for knocks on guys. Um, but to me, I think when you, I think when you go to pick a quarterback, you, you, you gotta, you gotta pick the guy with the most experience. I mean, we've seen teams do this year in and year out, you know, the, the year that Mitch, Mitch Trubisky had, you know, he was a one-year starter in North Carolina, right? One-year starter, didn't have a ton of experience. He also played in the ACC and he kind of fizzled out and he struggled and he's with a, a new team already. I mean, that's just one example, but you know, when you got a guy who's played that much football, been in the fire that many times, you know, made checks, seen, you know, different coverages, been in every situation. It's, it's a huge advantage to have that experience because you can draw from that and then you've been there. And you mentioned one. Sorry, go on. I, I do wonder if the Malik Willis thing that I think where I can see teams being really interested there is that we've seen teams look for like the high end for quarterbacks in the last couple of years, like Josh Allen wasn't the most consistent guy at Wyoming. Justin Herbert wasn't the most consistent at Oregon. Like looking to try and get a guy who can make big plays with his arm. He can also make big plays with his leg. But but to your point earlier, like I, I the the landing spot is going to matter. Like I don't know if I love either Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis if they land in Carolina on a team that you know. A I wouldn't want to go to Carolina either. Yeah, if I was a like, quarterback. <laughs> a, co- a coaching staff that's <laughs> trying to save their jobs and all that stuff. Whereas if you know someone goes to. Seattle, someone goes to Pittsburgh if they trade up. As much as, you know, I might not like the Steelers, they are a t- 10-year franchise who just had a quarterback who was there for, what, 15-plus years? So it's a, it's with a you know the longest-tenured head coach in the NFL or one of the longest-tenured head coaches. That That's the spot that you want to go to, the same way, you know, Josh Allen got to the Bills with Sean McDermott, Lamar Jackson with, you know, the Ravens and you want to go to a team that are going to look after you a little bit. And I think that's going to matter. And so, I mean, you, you said it, uh, you know, when you, when you've got a coach who has been there, he's, you know, there's, there's no rumors about him being on the hot seat and this and that. I mean, it, it makes it easier as a quarterback. Cause I mean, you, you feel that pressure from the coach. If you know, he's on the hot seat. Um, you know, I think, I think that's a, a, a good point. Um, you want to go a perfect example is, uh, uh, Mac Jones ended up in New England last year. I mean, what a year he had as a, as a rookie. He made the Pro Bowl. You know, he slid in for, you know, some guy named Brady, um, you know, who has been gone a year. But, I mean, they drafted him, and he was, he was tremendous. Well, you had that core of coaches that have been there with the system, how things operate. And, you know, it's, it's not 
you know, all these guys learning on the fly. I mean, it, uh, situations like that do make it more easier for quarterbacks to succeed, especially if you have a coordinator that has proven himself um, as a play caller. You, you talked about Kenny Pickett's experience there, Jim. Desmond Ritter, 48 starts across four seasons. He's got bags of experience and had a terrific year with Cincinnati last year. How do you rate him as a prospect? I think he's good. I mean, he, he's a big kid. He's 6'3", 211. He can run. I mean, he ran a 4.52 at the combine. I mean, that's that's moving. He's picking him up and setting him down for a quarterback. And to me, he – and there's, there's a difference between a guy who's really fast, a guy who's a quarterback first, and a guy who's just more athletic playing the position. You know, the guys that are having true success in the league are guys that are quarterbacks first and athletes second. You know, very rarely, you know, Lamar Jackson had some some spark and some big years, but Gordon's not going to like you saying that. You know that. I I, I think that, <laughs> you know, it, it's taken a, a very special coordinator and an offense that has to be completely suited to his needs. You know, if you put you know Lamar Jackson in Green Bay, can he can he operate an offense like that? No, he can't because he's not that pure of a passer. He's more of an athlete first. You know, you talk about the guy from the Brown or the uh, the Bills. You know, Josh Allen, he is an unbelievable athlete, but he is a quarterback first at extending plays and then looking to run the ball after the fact. He's not looking to run. You know, he's he's stepping up in the pocket. He's sliding over. He's not looking, you know, to 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 really run for 50 or 100 yards. He just takes what the defense gives him. And um, I, to me, the guys in the NFL traditionally that have won Super Bowls are not the guys that are running four fives and four fours. They're just not. So, you know, on, that, that's not a that, This is a Lamar bashing still, session. Are you, no, 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 no. It's just, a, <laughs> it's just a stereotype, man. It's just who's winning Super Bowls. The, there's the, there's the, a one bit. of the worst athletes in NFL history ran a five, four at the oh, combine. Oh, yeah. He's still playing and he's won seven. Exactly. That's the, 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 the whole, like win a Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl is effectively what we judge that off over the last 20 years is, what Tom Brady does and what Tom Brady looks like. You know, the other, the other guys, Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl with Philadelphia was someone who did have like plus athleticism, Patrick Mahomes. And obviously your point is right about someone who can throw the ball first. I do think the, the Brady thing does skew it a little bit because Tom Brady's just, you know, a different level of everyone. No question. And, and the thing is what, what separates him and, and the guy doesn't, if you look at it, he doesn't get sacked. And that starts before he even, you know, starts his cadence. He's looking around. He understands what the defense is doing. He has a good idea where he's going with the ball because he knows that offense inside and out, you know, all the way down to the, the finest details. If you listen to receivers that a play with them, if it's 12 yards and you got to cut at 12, it better be 12, not 11 and three quarters, not 13, 12. And that's what he commands. And I mean, he's able to, to make some of the throws and recognize things because he, He's able to process what the defense is doing, and he's one of those guys that's so unbelievable to that. And, and and not even from a standpoint of, you know, a passing play, but all the times he checks runs into different fronts or blitzes or away from a blitz. You know, it's, it's the guys that, that beat you with, from the from the head up. I mean, yeah, he's just I, been tremendous. And and he, Josh Allen's right there. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, what he does in an offense is is incredible. I mean, his skill set is you, you can't even you can't even practice that stuff. And and he, you know, he's parallel to the line of scrimmage, <laughs> making throws 
you know, as he's fallen down. And um, I think that got him a little bit last year after this, you know, the Super Bowl, trying to do some of those types of things. And if you if you look at what he did in the second half of the season, he started, you know, just checking the ball down. It's okay to check the ball down. You're going to take your shots, but move the chains. That, that's what's winning games in the NFL right now. I, I, I think your point about Brady as well is a really good one. It's something we spoke about in the podcast a lot last year with Joe Burrow is that a lot of people, I think people are starting to get smarter with this, that the kind of buzz phrase is like quarter, uh, sacks are a quarterback stat. And it's not, you know, you put a quarterback in a terrible situation with a terrible offensive line, they're going to get hit. They're going to take sacks. But great quarterbacks like Tom Brady, like Peyton Manning when he was in Indianapolis, just don't take a lot of sacks because mm-hmm. they, they understand when pressure's coming. They understand... You know, they can feel it when they can't see it and do all those things. And that that is what separates, I think, the good from the great in that sense. And that's what the uh, the rookies are all going to have to deal with when they come into the NFL is that heightened level of pressure and they're going to have to up their decision-making um, accordingly. Now, one guy who I'm fascinated by because I saw a mock today suggesting he might go as high as number three not entirely sure about that, is Matt Corral. Jim, what is it about Matt Corral that's got some people excited? You know, he's he's kind of farvish, if you will, oh, you know, the way that he plays. You know, he, he runs around, he makes plays, he's got a strong arm, um, he plays loose, um, he's fun to watch, he's, he's a good leader, you can tell the guys like him. Um, you know, and he played in a system with, with Kiffin that's that's a pro-style offense, you know, with all the checks and, you know, four and five wides, motions, um, trying to dictate to, to the defense matchups by, you know, as I said, different personnel groupings, different motions, different formations. Um, he, had a, he had a great year in Mississippi last year. I think he surprised a lot of people, um, and he thrived in that offense. Um, he's got a quick release. Um you know, he had, he improved his, uh, you know, his interception total touchdowns, uh, from the year before. Um, I, I, I like him. I do. But, but the thing, the thing is like, if you look overall at this draft, I mean, it's, it's not a real strong quarterback draft, not like we've had in the past. I mean, there's some guys that are, that look pretty good, but from top to bottom, it's, you know, to me, depending on the situation in the team, you know, you're almost better getting, you know, a guy like Fitz. And and if you do draft a guy, maybe it's lower in the draft or even higher because you don't have to commit as much money as you used to. And you let a guy sit for a year and, and you know, look what Mahomes did. You know, he, he's an unbelievable talent. The way he's, you know, what he's done since he's taken over the starting job has been unbelievable. But, you know, for him to sit there and, and watch Alex Smith do it, and really learn from him. I mean, I think that's been the biggest thing in his growth as, as a quarterback. I, I do wonder if, like based on what you're saying there, if the team who needs a quarterback the most drafting-wise that's going to wind up in the best position isn't going to be Detroit. Because at number two, they, let's say they don't take Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett at number two. And let's say they basically say, we're going to take the guy out of the five that's left at 32. We're going to take, and and if four of them go, you move up a little bit. It doesn't cost you a ton. You know, they can then go and get Kayvon Thibodeau. They can go and get an offensive tackle. They can go get one of the cornerbacks, something like that. And then with that late first round pick, still gets you your fifth year option, 
doesn't cost mm. you anywhere near as much money. And, you know, if it is a down year in the quarterback class, you kind of limit your risk a little bit. If I'm Detroit, you know, if I'm looking at that roster from top to bottom, the biggest hole is not the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, are you going to draft somebody that's going to do better than what Jared Goff did last year? That's the question. Is there somebody that is good enough right now to, to do as good or better than what Goff did? And if not, you know, I would, I, there's too many other needs that they have that need to be addressed. Quarterback is not to me at the top of the list and everybody, you know, always wants to say, Oh, you know, we need to get a new quarterback and build a, build everything around him again. Well, you know, you've got a guy that was a first round pick. You've got a guy that was a proven winner. He was a number one pick. We all forget that, don't we? And we forget yeah. he's been to a Super Bowl. He's been, so, he's been, pre- he's been he's, pretty bad in the NFL. He has been. Oh, he's been ranked rotten. But equally, you know, he's got that experience. And he's not, he's not 37, 38. He's, you know, ultimately he can't be any worse than he has been. You'd think he'd be like, he'd likely to be a bit better, but uh, maybe not. I, I, the one guy we've not spoken about, who has been chucked into the mix as a possible early pick is Sam Howell from North Carolina, which incidentally is the same place where Mitch Trubisky went to college. Look what happened to him. Um, we don't, we haven't heard much about Sam Howell, Jim. What have you seen of him? And is he somebody who could have a successful career? Do you think? I, I see him being as I see him being a backup, a career backup right. that, that could make some starts, but I don't, I don't think he's a franchise guy that you hang your hat on. Right. And, say he's going to be the face of the franchise for, for 10 years. Um, so again, with that, do you take him in the first round? I, I don't think so. To no. me, he's maybe third. I mean, it's just the, the, the guys just aren't there this year. And I, and you can get quality backups now with experience as opposed to a quality backup. That's, you know, coming out of college. So um, if, if, if this quality of, of class in, in the quarterback uh, position isn't as high as perhaps we've seen in recent years or maybe next year. Can any of the, do you see any of these five guys we've talked about? Do you see any of them, depending on who they're picked by starting week one? I think that's the big, that that's it right there. Who gets drafted to what team? Hmm. Um, it's hard to say, you know, we, I want to go back and then touch on golf, you know, because He's 27, right? I mean, it's not like he's 35. And if you look at his stats last year on a shit team at 313 and one, he completed 67% of his passing, his passes. His pass rating was 91.5, threw for 3,200 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight picks. That's, I mean, on a 313 and one team. That, I mean, who's. Who's going to upgrade that position out of the draft besides nobody? Well, just as an a, example, as you said, so to get back to, to what you're saying, with different guys going to different teams, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes a difference. If, if, if Pickett gets drafted, he slides all the way down to the, to the Steelers. I could see Pickett starting for the Steelers because they really don't have an incumbent right now. You know, yeah. Ben retired. Haskins tragically was killed. Um, who they got? Is Dobbs still there? No, Dobbs is with the Browns now. Um, Rubeski is the guy who's going to be their starter just now. If that, which, which is why, like uh, R- Rudolph, <laughs> yeah, Trubisky, Rudolph, or it'll be Trubisky, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Which I think is hilarious as a Packers fan, having watched him being utterly useless. I, I, I'm also not convinced he wouldn't be an upgrade over what Ben Roethlisberger was last year. Because well, yes, was... oh, we love a bit of big Ben bashing here. Um, <laughs> I think the, I, I I do not, and and there's that's this is another part of that too. I don't like their offensive coordinator and how he calls plays. <laughs> I didn't watch them a ton, but what I saw the, the play calling for the Steelers was oof. I don't think all of that was, well, Ben's been playing a long time and his career's at the end. I don't, I don't think that that offense was creative at all to help him out. I, I and, it wonder, wasn't, and it wasn't like they didn't have guys either. Yeah. I, I wonder if – so I think this year will dictate that this, the, the future of the offensive coordinator there because you can kind of lean back on last year Oh, we didn't push the ball downfield that much because Ben Roethlisberger didn't just didn't have the arm anymore. So we're going to throw a whole bunch of crossing things and short wide receiver screens and all that stuff. If they do that this year, even if it's Mitch Trubisky, like it, it just didn't work last year. For as much as you know, they got to the playoffs and those things. There's no one, no one would look back on that season and you know think they were particularly good at all. And the offense was key to that. So they don't move the ball downfield this year, then there's going to be wholesale. It, and it might not even just be the offensive coordinator that pays at that point. So if we were this, this is a big year for the Steelers. I agree. Uh, wow. Well, I mean, they're so well run, aren't they? They've been terrific year after year, but this is the, the moment you think when they're going to have to make some kind of, and obviously their general manager is, is he's retiring. This, he might want to pick a quarterback and sail off into the sunset. That also, um, that also, like, I never understand this in the NFL when a general manager is like there through the end of the draft because you're drafting and you're making decisions in the off season. Isn't that what happened to Baltimore? That have no consequences. <laughs> no, when have when have they done that? Well, I'm I'm sure I read somewhere that this that, that happened. Has that not happened with? Um, oh, Ozzy Newsom. No, no, with Ozzy. But DeCosta was there taking the job and Ozzy was staying there on. And DeCosta had probably ran the draft the previous like three or four years before that. So, right. Ah, that's okay, but, though. <laughs> but, there, but there are situations where general managers, it's announced like, yeah, they're, they're stepping down at the, end of, at the end of the draft. And it's like, well, there's no consequences then. Yeah, it's, it's pointless, isn't it? Um, so if we, let's say, for, let's play, play a bit of a game here. So if Kenny Pickett, Let's say he's going to Pittsburgh. Where, if if Carolina are picking at six, are we are we saying they're taking a quarterback? Do you think? And if so, who are they going to take? I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, again, you have mind you, they've got to cover Sam Donald's ridiculous wage, don't they? Well, and he's he, who's who's going to step in that's better than him. I mean, maybe somebody, but I mean, he, here's a, you know, again, another guy that went in the first round. Mm. So it's just may, maybe Carolina, you know, you're, you're hearing that Carolina may trade on draft day for, for Baker. Um, yeah, we haven't even touched it's, about it's, Baker. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's really going to be interesting to, to see how I, things I play right. out because I, 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 I think it's such, I think this year's draft is going to be like the wild, wild west. I think there's going to be some picks that you're like, what? I mean, it's not so, all right, this is cemented, this is cemented, this is cemented, this is cemented. And again, that's based around the fact that the quarterback crop is not deep. When you've got a deep crop of quarterbacks, I mean, it's pretty easy to, 
you know, well, if this guy gets taken and we'll take this guy, well, now it's like, well, we really wanted that guy, that guy. Well, eh, it's just not, doesn't have that depth. So you might every, every year a, we see, different... every year we see teams almost, um, to use the phrase, shitting the bed and jumping up the, the draft to, to draft a quarterback. Every year we see it. And so I don't, I don't know. It, Argue out the you know argue argue me wrong that it's not going to happen this year because it's the most important position in the whole of sport. So surely to goodness someone's going to if they even half like somebody who they've interviewed or who they've watched what a guy like Pickett or Willis they're going to jump. I also yeah. think like it depends how much you jump. Like he's not here to defend himself, so the amount the 49ers gave up to go and get Trey Lance is a lot. And you basically, at that point, you don't really allow yourself much room for, you know, for error. You could move up. So Pittsburgh can move from 20 to 15 and maybe get Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Mm. I, don't think, I don't think Pittsburgh are going from 10 to, uh, from 20 to 5. I think maybe like 12, maybe 13. I think that's about as high as they'll go up. Kind of similar to what the Bears did last year with Justin Fields. What about Atlanta at eight and Seattle at nine? So Atlanta have obviously got Marcus Mariota, a bit of experience, number two pick, but hasn't lit the world, you know, at Tennessee, and then he's been a backup in Las Vegas. Seattle have now got Geno Smith and Drew Locke on the books after Russell Wilson left. Do you see either of them going for a quarterback, and who do you think that they'll be targeting? If so. That's a good question. Um, you know, Seattle sitting, like you said, at nine. You got Geno Smith. He just signed what a two year, another two year deal. He's been solid in spots. You know, here, here's another guy that is almost like a, a bigger version of Malik Willis. I mean, when he came out of college, remember, he, he, he was completing what, like 76 or 77% of his passes? You know, he could run, he's big, um, but he just hasn't really panned out, I think, the way that people envisioned him. Um, you got to take a look at him, mm. you know, and depending on what happens before that, I mean, a lot can happen before the ninth pick. And maybe, maybe again, maybe Seattle trades away a pick to bring Baker in, and it won't cost him a first. What I saw was, you know, maybe a second and a third, depending on what Cleveland gives up for him too. But um, I, I, to me, there's still a lot of good ball left in Baker. Um it he, it would Baker could, Mayfield be a better bet than going for someone like Malik Willis or Matt Corral? Yeah, I, I completely sympathize with with what Baker went through last year because that's exactly what I went through in '98. I mean, you know, we come off the World Bowl, we won the World Bowl. I come back in '98. You know, first couple of games we're playing well offensively, and um, you know, then we get, you know, we go through ten wide or eleven wide receivers, and then I I end up separating my shoulder and end up tearing my labrum. In my throwing shoulder. He, he's definitely so, been punished for like for being injured and playing through the injury last year. And, he, and he didn't, he and he didn't play well. And, and yeah. I didn't play well. But at the same time, it's like, well, why did you play? It's like, what do you mean? Why did you, why did, why are they letting him play? Because he's the starter. And until he says he can't play, they're going to run with that guy until they really can't. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the, the, the guy won a playoff game. He beat Pittsburgh twice. He broke the <laughs> NFL record for touchdown passes by a rookie. And they didn't start the whole year. You know, we should have beat, should have beat Kansas City in the playoff game. I mean, that was a helmet-to-helmet helmet on the goal line. Didn't get mm. called, but that was a 14-point swing. 
and and then last year the guy tries to gut it out, you know, and he just he just didn't play well. I mean, he made and there were probably four games that probably could have swung the other way had he played the way that he had been playing. Yep. I, I, I think there's a lot left on that guy. And he's competitive. He's a two-time walk-on. He's a first pick. You know, and and he's been pretty good. And people want to compare him to everybody. He was with the Browns when the Browns were, I mean, in a stretch of five years, probably one of the worst franchises record-wise in, in the history of the league. Yep. And, you know, everybody tough, forgets that. The tough thing with trading for Baker is that the, the downside to that versus drafting a quarterback is rookie wage deal. You get your quarterback in a rookie wage deal, there's just, it's just not a lot of risk. Whereas with Baker, you have to make a decision. Uh, like I chastise Charles all the time for the fact that the Packers at some point are going to have to make a decision on Jordan Love without seeing him play. <laughs> uh, if you trade for Baker Mayfield, you're going to have to make a decision on paying him. You know, very relatively quickly. Uh, if, or, you, or, may, or maybe not, because he's he's in the last year of that deal. So maybe yeah. they ride that deal out. Make him. I, I, I think he can be like Kirk Cousins in the NFL. And a lot of teams in the NFL would be upgraded at quarterback by having Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't know that it's going to win you a Super Bowl, but it's definitely an upgrade for a lot of teams. Seattle, I think, makes a lot of sense for me. Seattle's a really interesting one. I'm. Because they have not picked this high uh, in the draft. And, and so they are sitting at number nine. And obviously, Russell Wilson was picked in the 2012 draft, the famous 2012 draft of Seattle, which included Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin. They did pretty well out of that, didn't they? The, they haven't picked that high since. <laughs> Before that, they, in 2011, they, were, they had a, the 25th pick. 2010, they had the number six pick. That's the last time they were this high in the draft. So Seattle are kind of in unfamiliar territory here. And you do wonder, with Pete Carroll, who is the oldest head coach in the league, he's not going to want a full rebuild here. So what does he do? You know, Do you go for somebody who can make an immediate impact, who's got a bit of experience, or do you think, well, hang on, these guys who are coming in, to the you know, as as rookie quarterbacks potentially can do a job for me. It's a fascinating situation because they've not been in this scenario for a decade. Yeah, they've had to face. I mean, they've had their quarterback. That I mean, that's one position they could hang their hat on every year and not and know that they don't have to worry about that position because Russell's been the guy. Now, like you said, it's. Were, were you surprised at that move, Jim? I mean, I mean, there was clearly a falling out behind the scenes, but the fact that they traded them away—you don't trade away your franchise player, surely? You try and work it out. I, I I thought that he would move. I mean, just just what you saw. I mean, some of the way the questions were were answered, the things that were going on. I I, I thought they would probably try to move him. And you know, with with Wagner, you know, leaving, and and a lot of those guys from the Legion of Boom, and a lot of those faces from their glory days. You know, most of those guys were gone. And um, you know, I'm sure Russell was 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 frustrated uh, with the team that he had around him, and um you know, not being successful. Mm. The, um, the couple, there's two teams I want to talk about, about court with regards to possibly drafting a quarterback. I think Russell's going to do extremely well in, in Denver this year. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Well, it'll be, he's, he's in a loaded division. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Two teams I wanted to talk about with regards to quarterbacks before we, we, we wrap this up. New Orleans, 
Do you think that they're settled on Jameis? Or given that they've got two picks, do you think that they might take a punt? Paul would be delighted if they did. <laughs> see where they pick in. I'm looking. They're at 16 and 19. So they obviously made that move with uh, Philadelphia to take one of Philadelphia's um, three picks. So they're clearly lining something up. Do you think it would be a quarterback? Um, I don't think so. I, to, to me, again, I mean, Jameis has done well enough. And, he, and the difference this year is going to be he doesn't have Sean Payton. Hmm. I mean, he had his best year statistically as far as from a turnover standpoint or when he was, in, you know, for a stretch of games when he was with Sean Payton. And, you know, traditionally he's – I mean, shit, the one year he's 30 for 30 and 30. The first, I mean, the only time that's ever been done in the history of the league, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And that doesn't count the fumbles that he lost either. So he's literally turning the ball over two times a game himself. And it just hasn't been fixed. But with that being said, I think that I think the role with Jameis, I, th- I think you just like, there's nobody that is as good as he is coming out. I don't think there's nobody that's going to challenge him to start. He's he's going to be the guy. So you know what? If he's now the guy, you know they went through Taysom last year. They gave him a shot when Jameis got hurt. That really didn't work. They played another guy. Was it Seaman? I think. You know, Jameis played the best of all the guys that they have, and he's been a starter in the NFL. He's been in a lot of games. To me, you just build around him and give him the most opportunities to be successful, whether that's taking an offensive lineman, whether it's a, a you know, you know, a, a wide receiver that can stretch the field, or you get a key guy on defense that can just lock things down, whether it be a corner or a middle linebacker. Well, if you're listening, the guru has spoken. Believe in Jameis. There you go. He's not, gonna like, he's not going to like that, Jim. It makes the most sense to, to try and build around him because <laughs> you, you sign this guy and he's, you know, he, they gave him, a, I mean, a lot of money to, to, to come back. And, I mean, he, he played well in New Orleans. So, I mean, and he's been a starter, as I said. I mean, he has all the intangibles as far as the experience and stuff like that, but he just simply has to fix the turnovers. It's, yeah. it's just that simple. It's yeah. okay to check the ball down. The, guys, the other, guys win a lot of games just checking the ball down as opposed to trying to thread it all the time. I mean, he's got no receivers to throw it to, so you might have to check the ball down. <laughs> Although Michael yeah, Thomas got, is coming back, of course, isn't he? So there's and, you a, get, and, you, and you got Kamara, who's, who's still yeah. pretty good. Again, address that in the first round. Wide receivers is a different story now. There's like a lot of guys. you know. You well, we were going to ask, ask you about that. How many could you see going in the first round? I mean, there's been suggestions that could be up to eight or nine. It's extraordinary. You know, you got two the two kids from Alabama. The one kid's hurt, but you know, you got Olave from Ohio State. You got uh, Wilson from Ohio State. Um, you know, it, it's it's a deep draft for the wide wide receiver position, much deeper than than the quarterback position, obviously. And the thing is, too, with wide receivers, if you draft a couple, five guys can be on the field at one time if you're playing wideout. You know, you if you miss or miss on a guy, or it takes a guy a little bit longer to develop, that that's okay because you've got other guys, you know, that can make an impact. You know, it's not the quarterback. It's, you know, the quarterback, it's either he's playing extremely well or, or he's not. I mean, he doesn't have the luxury of, well, you know, there's – you can hide behind somebody if, you, if you're, you know, not producing like you should. There's other wide receivers that can produce, and it's not as big of a deal if you miss a little bit. But um, I just – I would try and surround him with as much talent as I could. I wouldn't take a quarterback if I was New Orleans. <laughs> the other team that 
uh, is it looks set at the quarterback position and was the number one seed in the AFC last year was Tennessee. And yet I'm reading this week that Tennessee might be considering drafting a quarterback given the amount of money that they're throwing at Ryan Tannehill. Is that remotely feasible? Um, depending, I mean, they're what, 26? That would put the pressure on him, wouldn't it? I don't think so. I mean, Tannehill had that happen in Miami. Miami gave up on him. They didn't think he was a quarterback. And, I mean, he resurrected his career and really elevated himself since he's gone down to Tennessee. Mm. Um, he kind of had a down year at certain times last year. He made made some turnovers at really bad really bad times during the game. I mean, they, they could take a quarterback at one, depending on who's left, how the draft plays out. I mean, that obviously um, plays a big part in, in what, who they look to pick, especially when, you know, they're down at 26. You know, a lot of things can happen before 26. And all those quarterbacks we're talking about, you know, could realistically be gone. I mean, you know, you got Pickett, Malik Willis, Corral, and then it's, you know, Sam Howell and Ritter's another one I think that's the top top three, top four quarterback. And then after that, I mean, you got Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, Dustin Crum from Kent State, kid from Western Michigan, you know, guy from Western Kentucky, you know. It's it's thin. <laughs> I mean, it's really thin. The thing with Tannehill that I think I can see it is he's going to turn 34 in the middle of the season, and his his style of play does rely on athleticism a little bit more than some of the other guys. Not that he's a bad passer. I think he's a pretty good passer. He's just not consistent enough that I think he can get away with not having the athleticism. So I wonder if... Matt Corral because of his injury like mm. if he's a guy who's there in the 20s if Tennessee take him and let him sit for a year and then roll with him but it'll be interesting. I'd like that pick I, I think that'd be a good pick for Tennessee if, he, if he's there I mean depending on things shape out but um, I mean Tannehill 6'5 I mean he remember he played wide receiver in college for what three of the four years he was there I mean he's he is athletic um, you know their their whole their whole offense is based around pound the rock with Henry, you know, 21 or 31 personnel going two tight ends, three tight ends with the back, trying to pound the ball down your throat and Tannehill being efficient, not turning the ball over and playing great team defense. I mean, that's what Vrabel's done since he's been down there. It's, it's been built around the defense. Don't lose the game on offense, make plays when they're there. Don't force it. And, you know, let's try and win the game that way. That will be interesting. See what happens there um, in Tennessee, because that's a team you think is set up for another good run, but maybe they'll put the cat amongst the pigeons. That, could, that would be in, uh, a Rogers Love esque um, controversy, wouldn't it, Gordon? You love that kind of thing. I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that is the first and only time that Ryan Tannehill will ever be compared in a similar situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try, we try. Um, just before we leave you, Jim, um, who's going to go number one in the in the draft? Who's the who's going to be the top pick? Who's Tour Jacksonville taking, or are they going to trade it away? Uh, good question. Uh, maybe the kid, the the defensive lineman from uh, from Georgia, Thib- Thibodeau's a is a stud. You know, you got the Hutchinson kid off the edge. Um, I don't, I don't, to me, there's not a, a clear cut number one guy. And I think that could have been Hutchinson 
had he not got dominated hmm. in, in, in the in the final four game. I mean, there were some plays where he he really looked bad. I mean, pancaked and on his back like a turtle, and you know, but that's one game. But I mean, his body work speaks volumes. I mean, he's got a high high motor. Um, he had a great year. Um, led that Michigan defense. They beat Ohio State for the first time since I think WW two or Nam. Now it seems like, <laughs> which I love because Harbaugh's a big crybaby in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Expand on that if you like. I mean, I'm sure he's not uh, listening. Just look at his interviews, you know, and I mean, some of the things he's done, you know, then two years ago, he doesn't, he doesn't play Ohio state because of COVID. And then on Sunday they have a practice. Come on, man. I am. Love a bit of uh, rivalry. They they said he was going to hang a hundred on them because they were awful that year. And then they didn't have enough players to play, which maybe they didn't. But when you practice the next day, come on, man. It just, I um, it, it just doesn't look good. The the thing I find interesting at the top, I heard uh, Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football earlier. Oh, I say earlier this week, I think it was Paul's last, favorite show. Paul Paul loves big Good Morning Football fan, and uh, he was talking about how Trent Balky, when he was the Forty ers general manager, took Alden Smith, and Trent Balky likes to take guys who are better athletes than football players coming out of college. And mm. and that I'm not saying that's wrong because there are people who draft based on athletic profiles, so there are rumblings. And Trayvon Walker from Georgia is now that second favorite to be the number one overall pick. I, I have a hard time seeing them not taking Hutchinson at this point because he has pretty much been declared like the consensus number one overall guy. I do think it's really interesting though because body of work. I'm not certain that Thibodeau isn't. A better player. So we throw this at you, though. Yeah, you're, 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 you got a really good running back in ATN. You got Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor got the got his ass handed to him quite a bit last year, right? Shit team, shit coach. Which did I not tell you guys that Urban Meyer would not get it done as the head coach? <laughs> you did, Adam, and we all suffered with burgers as a result. <laughs> I think we owe you a few, Jim. By the way, adamantly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I'm looking at some of these drafts, and how do you how do you keep your quarterback upright? Mm. You draft a stud tackle at the blind yep. side, and they, a lot of people have Evan Neal out of Alabama going there. Yep. To me, that that'd be a great pick. I, everyone everyone had there was like a point where he became the favorite to go number one overall, and then the Jaguars franchised. Uh, I can't remember the left tackle's name. Um, who they drafted in the second round again out of Alabama a couple of years mm. ago. And they franchised him, I think possibly for the second time this year, franchise him for the first time this year. And everyone then all of a sudden thought, well, they're now not going to take an offensive tackle, but that doesn't really mean anything because he's only on a one year deal if he's franchised. So maybe they will go with tackle. It's just not a tackle is not a sexy number one pick. Is it? People don't like it that. Is. Listen, it, it... <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm a quarterback on the team and the guy's a number one pick and he's that good, that's sexy as hell to me, man. Not, well, not the, not the, not the 2 a.m. last call sexy. Yeah. I'm talking about walk in the bar. That's a sexy pick. Uh, it's Cam, uh, Cam Robinson, the, the franchise tag. You're absolutely right. He's, that's the second time, Gordon, that they've that they've done it. And he's yeah. whether he signs a tender or not, he'll be uh, he'll be hoping that he, he would get paid maybe next year. I mean, I guess I think this is um, – for Jacksonville, it's it, you know last year it was an absolute no-brainer who they were going to pick. This year, you wonder whether or not they'd be quite happy if someone came in and offered them a bit of money for that 
pick because ultimately they they need to fill time all over the all over the squad. But it will be very very interesting indeed. Um, can't we can't finish without talking about Scotland's very own David Ajabo, and of course he suffered that um, terrible injury uh, at the uh, at his pro day. How? What are you hearing, Jim, in terms of how that might affect where he's going to end up? Because we, I mean, I think we've talked about this quite a lot in the last few weeks. Whether he's going to potentially drop into the second round, depending on his rehab as well, it's 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 really tough for him. But do you feel that there's still a lot of teams out there who are going to be really optimistic about trying to pick up a bargain? Yeah, I think so. I mean, his his shelf is so high because he's literally still figuring out the game, but he is such a freak physical athlete. I mean, I, I watched the story on him and, you know, he came to the United States to play basketball. It wasn't even a football thing. And then basketball really wasn't panning out for him. And then the football coach is like, you know, seeing this kid, you know, dunk the ball, two hands, he's, you know, big and strong and cut. And then he comes out for football. What is his junior year, maybe, or sophomore. I mean, it, it wasn't even, he didn't even play all four years. And, you know, he, I forget, I don't know if he went to Bosco or what, what high school he went to, but it was a, it was a big time basketball school. And, you know, he had a great career. He ends up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't really hear about him. He wasn't like a five-star guy coming out. And, you know, the guy played himself into being a first, you know, a first round pick. And um, it's just so sad to see him go down like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know the severity of, of how bad the Achilles is other than it ruptured. Um I know that doctors and medicine and the way that you can rehab now is, you know, so much better than what it was. You know, the big thing, you know, years ago was, Oh, the guy tore his ACL. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh, he tore his ACL. That was like, Oh, I don't. And now it's like, all right, you know, it's four four months and guys, guys are coming back bigger, stronger, and faster. So hopefully teams look at it like that um, for him. Um, I don't see him falling out of the second round. He's just too, too athletic. Um, and if he does, somebody if, if he does fall that far out of the second round, somebody's going to get a bargain. And I, I really think that that kid could be a pro bowler. I really do. His, I, I, his hands, his agility, his speed, his quickness, his, you know, look at his family structure. You know, he's got a brother that's a doctor. His mom and dad are very professional um, people. They're very intelligent, very smart. They're very well-spoken, um, very appreciative of the opportunities that they've had, uh, you know, how he's grown up. That that translates in, in, into the game of football and, and how you're going to, uh, conduct yourself on a daily basis. What his worth ethic is going to be? He's going to come back strong. There's no question. And I, and as I keep saying, I I really really like him, and I I think he could be one hell of a player. I think he's, I think he's a ten sack a year guy. I think as well with him. I I don't think the idea that he goes in the first round should be completely written off either because, <laughs> I, if you've only got one first round pick, I don't think you can take him because it's there's risk attached. If you have two first-round picks, if you're the Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have late first-round picks and multiple of them, you can probably afford to take that risk a little bit because it's not your only swing at the bat. I agree. It's a great point. Great point. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see him go to Kansas City or Green Bay. That'd be great. Oh, I'd love that. (laughs) because <laughs> if he's a Gordon we'd have to become a Packers fan because that's what we all agreed on the podcast <laughs> it's interesting there's a piece on NFL.com and um, if you're listening to this definitely check it out William McGuinness um, has written about David Ajabo saying that he feels he should be the number and you know he'll be a steal on 
day two, but they should the teams that should be considering him for day one. And you do wonder it's it's often worth the risk. I think I I remember a few years back. I think Miles Jack was in a similar situation, and Jacksonville picked him up late. And he and I mean, obviously he's moved on from Jacksonville this year, but he's just um, he 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 was very serviceable in that defense and got to the the championship game when Jacksonville were the one season that they were any good. So <laughs> it'll be fascinating to see what happens with David Ajabo. Um, bit of news before we leave. Uh, not much going on. All the free agents have kind of the top line of free agents have have all been signed. Denzel Ward has become the highest paid cornerback in history. In Cleveland, a hundred million over four years or five years. Northeast Chicago, baby. From the three three zero. That's where I'm from. Nordonia High School. Really? League. They used to be in our league when I was in high school. Yeah. He Is he worth a hundred million dollars? Someone's willing to pay it. So if some, yeah, if someone's just, willing to pay it, yeah, that's the just, answer. But uh, he's, you know what? He's solidified himself as one of the top corners uh, in the NFL. The interceptions might not be there, but again, if the guy's not getting thrown at. And he's knocking passes down, and the percentage of completions to his guys is low. I mean, that's how else do you measure a corner? Yeah, you know, I was having this conversation. My, my wife brought this up the other day because we're pretty involved in the the local um, NFL alumni chapter. Uh, Frank stands from Notre Dame, and the Rams uh, runs our chapter. And a lot of people are, uh, you know, with the class that's the Hall of Fame class that's coming in this year. You know, got a referee. But what I'm, what I'm saying is we had Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon. And Hanford Dixon started the dog pound, which I kind of forgot. That's why they call him <laughs> Top Dog. But the, one year, <laughs> the one year when, when the Browns played man-to-man, they only threw at him seven times for the season. So if he's not picking the ball – I mean – so what is he a bad cornerback? Does he not deserve that money? You know, you understand my, what I mean? Yeah. It's so stat driven now with all these numbers and numbers and numbers and, you know, you know, past breakups and interceptions and, and all that. Well, if, if they, if he simply locks the guy down and they don't even look at the side is, is he not worth that money or is he not worth, you know, look to the hall of fame or, you know, those kinds of things. So Denzel, he's, he's been solid. He's, he's, he's a Northeast Ohio kid. He brings a lot of excitement because he's a homegrown mm. guy that, you know, locally, then he went to Ohio State, and then he ends up in a Cleveland Browns uniform. It's, it's kind of similar to uh, Bernie Kosar. Yeah. You know, when he, except he went to Miami, but he wanted to play for the Browns, and, and so did Denzel, and he's, he's been a huge uh, influence in the communities. He's been great that way, and uh, I, I think it's a great I'm, – I'm so happy for him. I, you, just, I think- you just want local guys to, to, to really make it that way, and Denzel's – conducted himself in a way that he deserves that money for what he's done on and off the field. I think as well, like if you, so they drafted him number four overall, he's been, you know, I don't think it's controversial to say he's been like a top five to 10 cornerback in the last like three, four years since being drafted, which point if you want to resign your top five to 10 cornerback who you drafted at four overall, like those two things add up to you're probably making him the highest paid player at his position. So, mm. yeah. Yep. The only guarantee on this is that the uh, Jalen Ramsey will get upset and demand a new contract from the Rams. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it rolls. You look at what the, the all these wide receivers are doing, refusing to attend workouts and holding out because of the way that the, the wide receiver market has been set. It's uh that's just how it plays out in the NFL. Um, final one, we've got to ask you, Jim, as um, the quarterback guru, 
who is going to win in the golf match between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? Ooh, I see. I, I could talk better about how they played at the quarterback position. Um, <laughs> I, I know that uh, it's Tom and Tom and Aaron, the old boys against the young kids. Oh man, I'm going with the, I'm going with the experience, man. I'm going I'm going yeah. with the goats. Damn right. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers is single figures. I'm not sure. I've seen Patrick Mahomes' uh, golf swing on Twitter. He's been getting lessons. I'm not entirely sure it's particularly good, but I'm I sure Josh Allen hits it a mile, but not very yeah. straight. Yeah, I refuse to believe that Josh Allen's good at golf. I think he just <laughs> hits the hits the piss out of the ball and it goes. Like there'll be some absolute shanks from him in that game, I'm pretty sure. Well, that yeah, you can certainly uh, tune into that one uh, at some point in the next few weeks because uh, these guys are not doing very much in the offseason, but they will be keeping an eye on the draft, which is coming up from Las Vegas next Thursday. Um, but that is indeed the full-time whistle on episode 188 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen to our ramblings and for rating us so highly across wherever you download your podcasts. And please continue to interact with us on social media. You can do that any way you want. Uh, we had Johnny Bailey today tag us in a post that uh, highlights that Mike McDaniel looks like our very own Jamie Borthwick, which was fantastic. <laughs> Make sure you're also visiting our website, nflscotland.com, for exclusive analysis of the 2022 NFL Draft. Thanks to Jim Ballard for joining us this week and imparting his peerless wisdom upon the merits of this year's quarterback class. Appreciate you having me on as always. Love talking ball with you guys. Uh, it's great to have you, Jim. Thank you for uh, helping us babysit this podcast. Um, <laughs> we will be back next week on the eve of the draft itself for a final preview. So don't miss that. Will Paul be back? Will he be out, out of his sulk? Will Cameron be the new starting quarterback in Seattle? God help Seattle. Join us then. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye.